Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Shalom, peace. For those in the United States and around the world, this program is for people who are humble, who don't think they know everything. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1. It says, At the same time came the disciples unto Yeshua, or Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Yeshua called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst or in the middle of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself, humble himself. That word humble in the Greek. Let's take a good look at that. Humble in the Greek. Tapeno. To depress. To humiliate. We have to humiliate ourselves. We have to to lower ourselves before God and before other men uh, in reference to respecting the knowledge that um, God has given an individual. Whoever therefore shall humble himself as his little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to do that, ladies and gentlemen, for us to be able to enter the spiritual realm which is called the kingdom of God, which in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul, or Shaul, that's his Hebrew name, stated that flesh and blood cannot inherit. And so it is a spiritual realm. And to enter that realm, we must humble ourselves. So remember that in this program is for people who understand that now there's another scripture that just popped in my mind that uh, I need to to uh, focus on here in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 it says now as touching things offered unto idols we know that we have we all have knowledge but he says knowledge puffeth up but charity or love edifieth all right, so knowledge does have a tendency to puff up people to make them think that they're better than someone else, and puff of up. That um, Greek word is phuseo, 
and it means uh, to inflate, to make proud. And we have to be very careful of that. Um, knowledge should be used to love someone, not to, to inflate yourself. And what is charity? What is the, the Bible definition of charity or love? Which is agape, that's the Greek word for love. Well, let's turn to 1 John chapter 2. Well, actually, I'm sorry, 2 John chapter 1. 2 John chapter 1. And this is, it uses the same Greek word for agape, for love. 2 John 1 verse 6. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. And, of course, the, the lie, the great lie, the lie, <laughs> What are the, the biggest lies of all time that's going around? Christianity is concerned is that the, the law is nailed to the cross. That the law is nailed to the cross. And it is not nailed to the cross, ladies and gentlemen. But that is the lie that is going around. It's been around in Christianity for years. And this program will never endorse that lie. And you have to keep in mind that the Bible has stated plainly that the devil has deceived this entire planet. And that's in Revelation 12, verse 9. If, if you don't believe me, turn there and read it for yourself. It says that Hasatan, that's his Hebrew name, or the devil, or Satan, has deceived the whole world. And so that's something that, that you need to understand and you, you need to believe because that's true and and because of that the bible states in the book of revelation that the, the, the nations have been drunk spiritually drunk they are drunk because of it because of the deception devil has caused and so the purpose of this program is to is to anyone who who listens to this program will become sober spiritually will we'll get out of their drunken state and, and realize that they are living the wrong way and that they need to repent. 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 And, and the Hebrew for repent is teshuva. Repent. And become a Talmudim or a disciple or a student. Or Talmudim. So that is important for you to understand. To come and become a disciple or a student of Yeshua. Become a Yeshuaite. Um, that, that that's important to understand. Not not a Christian. A Christian. Well, Christ means Messiah. Christ is in the Greek means Messiah, but unfortunately the biggest deception or one of the biggest deceptions that Christianity, the majority of Christianity, those who call themselves Christians, don't keep the Shabbat or the Sabbath or the Holy Days. And so there must be a distinction between those who keep the commandments as the Lord commands us to do, all of them to the best of our ability, and those that don't. And the Lord has led me to use the name Yeshuaites 
as a as a um, clear distinction. And, and a Yeshuaite is someone who believes that Jesus or Yeshua commands us to obey all the commandments, and we believe the scripture in First John chapter two. First John chapter two, where it states, well, actually, let me read it. Uh, first six verses is my little children these things write I unto you that you sin not and if you have if any man sin we have an advocate the father Yeshua Messiah the righteous and he is the propitiation of a covering which is symbolic of Yom Kippur Day of Atonement uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about there look in the archives I have a Bible study on the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur please Educate yourself and listen to that so you'll understand what I'm talking about. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world. This is a very powerful six verses here. Verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments, if we keep his commandments. And so you don't know God, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't keep his commandments, folks. I mean, you may think you do, but you don't. And thinking you do is not like you do. You can think all you want, but you better know that you know him. And you do, and you know God because his commandments is his character, his way of life, his halakha, or the way he lives. All right? And you're not going to know that unless you keep his commandments. Verse 4, he that says, I know him and keep not his commandments is a liar. It's not in him. That is the lie. That is the lie, ladies and gentlemen, that you know him, but yet you don't keep his commandments. And you, and you believe that the commandments are nailed to the cross. Verse 5, but whoso keep of his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we, we know, we know that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. And when Yeshua walked the earth, he kept the Shabbat or the Sabbath. He kept the holy days or the Moedim. He even kept Purim, which is in the Bible, uh, in the book of Esther, the last chapter. It was made a a festive holiday, not a festive holiday where you... Um, take off from work, but you should if you can. But if you can't, then you should still do the best you can to celebrate it. <clears throat> he kept the new moon days, which I'm sure, sure most of you listening to me don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but the new moon days are days that are also festive. It's a festive occasion where he commands uh, his fellowship to assemble on those days, on, on the new moon days. And so, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot. And then also, in the book of uh, Isaiah, let's turn to the book of Isaiah here. The book of Isaiah, chapter 66. Verse 22, it says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so your seed and your name remain. Verse 23, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon, this is what I'm talking about, Rosh or Dish, or the new moon, to another, 
And from one Shabbat to another, or one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. And those who refuse to do this, who refuse to observe the new moon and the Sabbath, what's going to happen to them? Well, verse 24, And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. It's not talking about them not dying and saying no worms that will be consuming their bodies. It's going to appear as if they're not going to die because there's going to be quite a few bodies there consuming the bodies. Neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. All right, so this is in the context of hellfire, ladies and gentlemen, uh, observing the new moon. And I'm going to do a, a Bible study on the new moon in the future so that you understand what this is all about. But the new moon is certainly a day. It's not a, a Sabbath where you rest on that day from your labors, but it's a day that you, you, you should assemble and acknowledge because without the new moon we wouldn't know how to keep the holy days. We wouldn't know what days to keep the holy days, which are li- listed in Leviticus chapter 23 and Numbers 28 to 29. And also Deuteronomy chapter 16. And so, and these are, are God's holy days, not the Jews' holy days, ladies and gentlemen. And so, Yeshua kept those days. He said he kept his Father's commandments. And he stated in John 14, verse 6, he's the way. He's the halakha. He's the truth. He's the life. We need to follow his example if we call ourselves truly believers of Yah. And so a Yeshuaite also believes that not just the Jews, but everyone should keep the commandments. It's not just for them. Isaiah 66, verse 23, plainly reveals that. Another scripture reveals it as well. It's pretty plain in Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8, <clears throat> starting in verse 23. Well, actually, uh, verse 22. Actually, let's go start in uh, Zechariah 8, verse 20. Thus says the Lord of hosts, it shall yet come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, let us go speedily, speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also, verse 22, verse 22, yes, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. So, Again, there's distinction of nations. It's not just about all Israel. Israel is should be a light to the nations, and it will be at this particular time, because this is a prophecy of the millennium. Verse 20, 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, during the days of the millennium, it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all the languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, tells you the significance of the Jew. And it only confirms what Yeshua stated in John chapter 4, verse uh, 22. We know what we worship, woman, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the, what, Jews. And so it says right here, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you, and... This is interesting because when he grabs onto the skirt or the wing, Hebraically, that's talking about the zit zit, and the zit zit has a ribbon, 
Well, let me let me uh, turn to a, a specific scripture here so you understand what I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> as far as what the skirt is, the skirt is interesting because um, let me take a look here. This is grabbing onto the robe, and many people have taught that that skirt is referring to the zit zit, and, and uh, probably quite a few of you don't know what I'm talking about. But let me go to Numbers chapter 15, explain it to you. And it says right here, Numbers 15 verse 37, the Lord spoken to Moses, saying, "Speaking to the children of Israel, and bid they." Make them throughout their generations fringes in the corners of their garments. In the corners of their garments. Okay, so <clears throat> and it's called a fringe, a tassel, a wing, and that's what that uh, word. This one says skirt. It's referring to that that they put up upon the fringe of the borders of a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto for you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord. Not some of them, all of them. And do them that you seek, not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you go a horn. That you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy, O Kiddoshim, unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. To be your God, I am the Lord your God. And so that's what that skirt is referring to, ladies and gentlemen. That is what that skirt is referring to when they grab hold, hold to him, a wing similar to the other um, in that other verse. And so this, this is showing you that the Jews have a lot to do with teaching the commandments of God. And then, of course, the greatest Jew who lived of all time, Yeshua Messiah, did that. He, that's one of the reasons why he came, is to help explain correctly the law. He didn't come to destroy the law, as in Matthew 5, verse 17 states. And uh, for those who don't understand that, please listen to my uh, program on that. Uh, did, uh, did the Lord command Jesus to say we only keep six commandments? That's my feature program. You should listen to that. Okay, another thing I wanted to clarify. I know I've been stating the fact that uh, I, I, I really truly believe that the Messiah will come in the 21st century. I'm going to correct that a little bit and say probably, possibly he'll come because I, I don't want to get into predicting even the next 86 years. But it looks like in all likely in all likelihood, he's going to come back. But I'm not sure because the Messiah said no one knows the day or the hour, so that means me too. He doesn't know. Only the Father knows. But he wants us to estimate, and it does appear that it's a, it's a, it's a great possibility that he can come back, but I'm not going to say definitively. All right. So when I said uh, that the Messiah could come in the 21st century, that's what I meant. Okay. So I'm not going to... I'm just going to say the kingdom of God is coming that way. If he doesn't come in the 21st century, 
<laughs> I won't be labeled a false prophet. All right, so that I just want to make that because I'm I'm certainly not a false prophet, and I'm not trying to to uh, predict anything. However, I am commanded of Yah to warn you if I see things coming. I'm a watchman. I'm certainly a watchman. I'll be lying to say that I'm not. I'm one of the watchmen on the earth. And if I see something coming, I'm going to warn you. And that's my job, is to do that. But uh, from now on, I'm going to preach um, that he could possibly come in the 21st century. Of course, if the temple is built here in the next two or three years... I can say for sure that he's coming in the 21st century, but we have to wait and see as certain events happen. But it does it does uh, appear that it's a great possibility that he can come in the 21st century. All right, but I'm not saying definitively 100% sure. So I just want to clarify that. I had a friend of mine, um, you know, briefly correct me on that because he doesn't want me to to be labeled as a false prophet. So I appreciate that, and uh, obviously that's yeah um, influencing him. Uh, to uh, do that, because it, it may be true, but, uh, you know, I have to respect the Father in Heaven and, and what He said, and uh, I can't give the impression that it's okay to to say something and you're not really 100% sure. All right, so I apologize for that. All right, so let's go over some, briefly some world news. Okay, we go to Koenig International News. It says, U.S. and China square off at Asia Security Forum. It says, Chinese General Hegel's comments, threat and intimidation. It says, the United States and China squared off at an Asian Security Forum on Saturday with the U.S. Defense Secretary accusing Beijing of destabilizing the region and a top Chinese general retorting that his comments were threat and intimidation. Using unusually strong language, U.S. Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel took aim at Beijing's handling of territorial disputes with his Asian neighbors. Under U.S. pressure, Netanyahu suspends some settlement plans. So here we go again with the monkey business with uh, the land again. It says, Obama, Kerry say that they haven't given up on the peace process. And you know what the Bible says about peace again, peace and then sudden destruction. Let's take a look at that scripture here. And so we've got to be careful about this peace thing and, and what's going on with that. Let's turn to a scripture here to enlighten us here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. Actually, let's read in verse 1. This is pretty interesting in light of what I was saying about the 21st century possibly being the time that the Messiah will come. First uh, Thessalonians 5, verse 1 says, But at the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And what that is referring to, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think too many people understand this, but hold your place here in First Thessalonians 5, verse 2. Let's turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation, chapter 16. Revelation, chapter 16. Whenever he's talking about the thief in the night, prophetically, he's referring to the time, the sixth vial in the book of Revelation. That is, the, the sixth vial is the time when he's going to gather all nations to battle. And Revelation 16, um, starting in verse uh, 
12, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. So whenever you see thief in the night, sixth vial. <laughs> and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. Verse 14, For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. This is the day of the Lord that's talked about. This is the fulfillment, the culmination of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, the literal day of the Lord, involves the Messiah, the saints, and the angels landing their feet on the Mount of Olives and to destroy all the armies that oppose them. Verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, that not he walk naked and they see his shame. So for him to say this right as this is going to happen is showing you that's what the interpretation of him saying he comes as a thief is talking about the sixth vial. It's talking about when all the armies are gathered in a place called in Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Verse 16, and he gathered together them together into a place. Let me read verse 15 again. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garments, that night he walk naked, and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew term Armageddon. All right, so that's what that's talking about. Now let's go back to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so come as a thief in the night. So we understand the sixth vial and what it represents. That's talking about when all the armies are gathered together um, in a place called Armageddon. Verse 3, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness that that they should overtake you as a thief. And so you won't have, you won't be involved. You won't be on the earth at this time. All right? You won't be on the earth at this time. Experiencing this. Uh, that's, that's what it's saying. <laughs> it says, but ye brethren are not in the darkness that they should overtake you as a thief. In other words, you won't be involved uh, with this because you're going to be on the earth battling with Messiah when he comes back. But what, what I'm trying to say is that you won't be on the earth involved in this shenanigans, okay, uh, of these armies that will be fighting against the Lord. Verse 5, you, you are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as, uh, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The majority of the world, as I stated, are drunk. They're asleep, spiritually. Verse 7, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober. It's talking about being spiritually sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath. What is the wrath of God? The wrath of God are the seven last plagues. That's in Revelation chapter 16, verse 1. It tells you that those are the seven last plagues. For God has not appointed us to wrath, salvation by our Lord Yeshua Messiah okay who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him in verse 11 
Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And so one of these days we're going to be living with him. We, we will live together with him. Okay, so. Let's um, go over some domestic news here, and then we're going to go into, is it, I'm going to answer, uh, well, let me just go quickly here, too, because uh, we're not going to have too much time. I may go over a little bit, but uh, the um, economic blog, economic collapse blog, that's the one I go to each and every week, or I try to anyway. Uh, Michael Snyder's uh, excellent blog that he designed here or created, the economic collapse blog dot com. Dot com. For those who are not familiar with this blog, I seriously recommend that you become familiar with it. It's a very, very good blog. Very good blog. A lot of people look at it. It gives you the information you're not going to get in the news. Economics. Economists, rather. Economists. The U.S. economy shrank in Q1, first quarter, but better days are just around the corner. It says, during the first three months of this year, the U.S. economy contracted at a 1% annual rate. Despite this, mainstream economists flooded the mainstream media with assurances that much better days are just around the corner on Thursday. In fact, many of them boldly predicted that the U.S. gross domestic product would grow at a 3 or 4% annual rate in the second quarter. None of them seem the least bit concerned that another major recession is rapidly approaching. Instead, they just blamed the bad number for the first quarter on a severe winter, and the financial markets responded to the GDP news quite cheerfully. In fact, the S&P, the Standards & Poor's 500, soared to another brand-new record high. No matter how bad the numbers get, Almost everyone in the financial world seems quite optimistic, but is there actually good reason to have such optimism? No, it isn't, and you need to, to read the rest of this article. Has the next recession already begun for America's middle class? It says, dust in the wind, dust bowl conditions have returned to Kansas, Oklahoma, and North Texas. And it says, the size of the derivatives bubble hang, hanging over the global economy hits a record high. Obama should apologize for treating military veterans like garbage for the past five years. The robots are coming, and they are replacing warehouse workers and fast food employees. Who needs the United States, not Russia and China? 27 huge red flags for the U.S. economy. This is some very good information, and I suggest that you review this information and, and understand what's going on. Don't have your head in the sand when it comes to geopolitical events and world events. Okay have 13 minutes here. I'm going to go over who are the scribes Yeshua or Jesus said he would send. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 34. He states this, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, says some of them. And it says, okay, wait a minute. Uh, that word was added. It says, and of them ye shall kill and crucify. Of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. All right, so he said 
Yeshua, and this is in red letters in the King James Version, stated that he would send prophets and wise men and scribes. Let's look at another scripture to, to get a, a further interpretation of this, his interpretation, not someone else's. Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verse 49. It says, Therefore also said the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is Yeshua. For proof of that, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter, I think it's chapter 2, oh, chapter 1 rather, chapter 1. Verse 24, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the Messiah is the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit, and also the wisdom of God. And so the Messiah is both. He's, he's, uh, he's, actually, the Holy Spirit is called also the Spirit of Messiah. So Christ is the power of God, and he's also the wisdom of God. So that's the Bible definition of what the wisdom of God is, First uh, Corinthians 1, verse 24. All right, so let's go back to Luke 11, verse 49. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, the Messiah, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute. So prophets and apostles are the wise, are the wise men, are the scribes that he talked about. All right? Now my question to you is, do they exist today? Yes, they do. Because the Messiah said he would do it. He would send them. All right? And that continues on. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5. Well, actually, let me... Um, yeah, verse 5. Which in other ages... This is the mystery of Messiah. Which in other ages was not made known unto sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his... says, as it is now... As it is now... Um, sorry about that confusion there. But anyway, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so that was back in the first century. He says it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. So that that's saying that back back then in the first century, of course, there were apostles, but there were also the continuation of prophets. The Messiah say in Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, he states, starting at verse 18. And Yeshua came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and teach all nations, teach all nations, immersing them or baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So for him to say that he's with them always, of course, they're going to be dead. But if, he's talking about us today, too, and to the end of the world. So that means that apostles and prophets will, will continue to exist, scribes and wise men, even until today. All right. But let's get into what scribe is, folks, because I don't think too many people understand this, and especially for people who aspire to be teachers of the word. You, you, you've got to be a scribe, folks. All right. So let, let, let's, let's, because I, I, I get this in this movement, in, in the Hebrew Roots movement and so forth, especially. Um, there's, there's quite a few people that want to be teachers. And first of all, it says in 
James 3, verse 1, My brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So uh, I tell you right now, folks, I'm a businessman at heart, um, and I <laughs> I had no clue that I would be doing what I'm doing today. I'm just being totally honest with you. All right, uh, but the Lord chose me to do this, and I better do it or else. And so that that's what I do. I preach. And uh, he certainly has let me know that that's what he wants me to do. And he will let you know that. I'm telling you, one of the, the, one of the qualifications definitely is that you are a scribe. And, and what is a scribe? What is the Bible definition of a scribe? Well, I'm looking at the word study dictionary here. Uh, I'm looking at the Greek word for scribe, but it goes back and, and gives references also um, in the Old Testament. It says, a scribe or writer, such was in public service among the Greeks and acted as the reader of the legal and state papers, hence a scholar. So a scribe is a scholar. And if you want to become a Bible scribe, you have to be a scholar of the Bible. And in Ezra 7, verse 11, it says, Now this copy of the letter that the king gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe, a scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. And so that's what a scribe is. The scribe is a scholar of the words of the commandments of the Lord, the Bible, and of the statutes to Israel. Okay, so if you want to be a, a qualified Torah teacher, you have to be an expert at the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. And you must be a writer if you are a scribe. King of kings and to Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of the Lord. A scribe of the law of the Lord. He was a writer. All right, so it's also used for one that's skilled in the law of Moses. All right, Ezra 7, verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses. All right, let's hold the presses here. Let's stop. A scribe is someone who's a writer who writes about the law of God and the law of Moses. Okay, the law of Moses is the law of God. I've, proved it. I've proven this on this program so many times. But here, here's the implications of this, which is serious. We have Christian churches around the world, teaching that the law of Moses is nailed on the cross, yet the Messiah said he would send scribes, scribes who are scholars of the law of Moses. So why would he do that if the law of Moses is nailed on the cross? That's my question that I'm going to ask you. All right? So <laughs> obviously that's not the case, ladies and gentlemen. That's if you want to know the truth about that uh, is, is, is not true. You know, the apostles and prophets were scribes, and the apostles and prophets today are scribes of the law of Moses. That's one of their qualifications. That's one of their qualifications. And it says, used for one skill in the, uh, the Mosaic law, the law of God, and commonly used in, in, in the same sense in the New Testament, especially for those who sat in Moses' seat, explaining the law in schools and synagogues. Thus it became a synonym with public instructors teacher or doctor of the law, or a lawyer, or a lawyer of the Holy Scriptures. It, it was one well-versed in the law and the Holy Scriptures, a lawyer, a clever scribe, who expounded them. 
he also had the charge of transcribing them. Many were members of the Sanhedrin, and we all, all often find them mentioned with the elders and chief priests. The scribes were supposed to be acquainted with the interpretation of God's saving purpose, but in the time of Yeshua, they opposed his, his offer of salvation. Well, not all of them, but some of them. Where they appear clothed with special authority or side by side with those in authority. Uh, a synonym for this is a lawyer, teacher of the law, one instructed, a scholar, learned teacher of religion. All right? And remember, a scribe is someone who, is a, who teaches the law of Moses, which Christianity says today is done away with. All right? So. And it says, he was already scribed in the law of Moses, which the Lord of, of, of Israel had given. Um, the meaning is not that he had a quick hand in writing out copies of it, but was well-versed in the knowledge of it, had studied it thoroughly, well-instructed in it, and was abundantly qualified to teach it to others. He was eminent doctor of the law. So scribes in the New Testament who are the same with the lawyers were such as were teachers of the law. The word here used in, um, in Aramaic language signifies to be an expert. And so you, those who in this movement aspire to be teachers, you better become an expert. It doesn't mean memorize. Well, you, you know, if you want to memorize, it's fine. You don't have to necessarily memorize it as uh, you don't have to necessarily memorize it as to have resources that will help you understand the law of Moses. And I have so many resources. If anybody know me, <laughs> you would no doubt understand that I am qualified and I do understand the law of Moses enough to teach it, which is the law of God. And that is one of the qualifications of a Torah teacher or a minister is that they must be a ready scribe of the law of Moses, of the commandments of God. That is a, a requirement, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't have a desire to be a writer, to be able to expound and explain through writing and speaking the commandments of God, then that's not a gift that he's given you. And you should stop trying to aspire to be a teacher, a teacher to the to the uh, assembly. Instead, you should we should all aspire to be teachers, uh, to teach our wives and to teach our children, and to teach somebody off the street and ask a question. But as far as being qualified to teach in a public way in front of a lot of people, not everybody has that gift. Not everybody has that gift. And so. So I just wanted to clarify who a scribe is, because many people don't understand what a scribe is. All right? And so, may the Lord bless and keep you. And Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, 
and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 